So hello, my name's Caroline Archer and I'm Professor of Typography and I'm co-director of something called the Centre for Printing History and Culture, which is a, a joint research centre across Birmingham City University and the University of Birmingham. My own background is I'm, I started off as a practicing typographer, ran my own studio in, on the Holloway Road in North London, and then started teaching typography at uh, School of Printing in Watford. And from there, I went on to do a PhD at Reading. And from there, I jumped into writing about printing and writing about typography for the trade press um, and a few books on the way. And then latterly, probably about 10 years ago, I came back into academia. I say came back into academia. I came into academia for the first time. So I guess I'm a, a typographer and I use that as a, an umbrella term to cover practice, research, teaching, writing, journalism, the whole gamut. Um, so I, I think I'm very much just a multi-dimensional multi typographer. Okay, so you asked, um, what was my first design recollection? I've, I've kind of got a number. Um, I think the first thing I really remember was driving through Watford, which is where I was born and brought up. And Watford was a very big centre for process engraving, very big printing centre. And it had a number of sort of allied trades working in the town. And I remember being in the back of my dad's car and there was a big tower in front of us and it had the words ink on it. And I said that that word says ink. And it's the first word I remember reading independently of my parents or teachers and I was immensely proud as was my father um, and the ink was on the side of the building called Fishburne Printing Ink so they, they manufactured inks for the printing industry. I don't think that has really influenced my own practice particularly but it did reinforce for me that I was being brought up in a town where printing was the fundamental trade. So as to the item, which I think was probably my first typographic influence, was a copy of Penrose Pictorial Annual of 1912 to 1913. Um, my father was a, a typographer and he set up the hand composition uh, department at the Department of Printing in Watford. So I was brought up with printing presses around me both in the college where my dad taught, but also at home. We have four printing presses at home. And he had his own sort of library of, of books. They were quite eclectic and slightly random. And what I used to love doing, and again, I must have been four or five years old, when he was out, I would go into his room and I would pull books off the shelves. And the Penrose annual particularly struck me, I think. One, it was very heavy. <laughs> So that was the first thing that, that struck me. And there was an embossed rose on the front cover. And I used to enjoy touching and feeling this embossed rose. And then you would open it up and it would just be this cornucopia of stuff. 
So there'd be lots of illustrations printed offset litho or stenciled, or there would be the typography wasn't great at that time at that stage, but it was very different to anything any of my, the books I was reading as a child. So there were lots of ornamented letters, not manuscript, but just letters that had been ornamented with flowers and ladies in nice hats. And this just sort of sparked my imagination, I think. And the other thing which was very typical of Penrose is virtually every other page in the publication was a different substrate. So I was sort of touching papers which felt like velvet or things that had been embossed with gold leaf. And I just opened my eyes, even as a small child, to how various the printed material could be. And Penrose annuals, the things that I continue to go back to even now, either for inspiration for when I'm designing or for the information they contain, which is fantastic as a historical researcher. So certainly the, the Penrose annual was probably my first memory of a printed piece of work. What am I working on at the moment? Well, in terms of my research, which is what predominates my life at the moment, I'm very interested in a printer called John Baskville. It's an 18th century printer based in Birmingham. He was born in 1707, died in 1775. And he was responsible for designing Baskville typeface that we see on virtually every computer today. And my interest in him is him as a man, because you can't extract the designer from the environment and the society in which they live. So it's finding out a bit more about him and how he worked. But I'm particularly at the moment focusing on the punches that he um, designed for his typeface. The original punches reside in the University Library Cambridge in the historic print room there. And they're the only extant material evidence we have of his work. And as such, they're very important because they show us what he envisaged his type should look like. You know, they're the, the fundamental patents, patterns for his, his typeface. So we're doing a lot of work analyzing those punches, um, doing microscopic photography so we can see how they've actually been cut and the metals analysis of them so we can understand a bit more their composition and what 18th century type founders understood about metallurgy and how metals worked. So that that's taking up most of my time at the moment when I get the time to actually do some research, that, that's where my focus is. You asked what would be my advice to young creatives. I'll probably say something that sounds a bit odd, but it's to think like an amateur. And I say that because so many of the big names, whether it's in printing, whether it's in art, whether it's in technology, have been amateurs. John Baskerville himself was an amateur. He didn't serve an apprentice. There wasn't a design school to go to. William Morris was an amateur. In, in science, people like Joseph Priestley and Michael Faraday were self-taught. And in art, Vincent van Gogh was an amateur. He taught himself how to paint. And somehow being an amateur allows you to be more curious, allows you to be a bit more experimental than people who have been through the tram lines of the education system. 
says me sitting here in an educational <laughs> institution. So it may sound a bit counterintuitive, but it's to get that, that freedom of thought and imagination that amateurs can bring to anything, that they're not hidebound by things that they've been taught. They have the space to discover and to experiment. So my advice is think like an amateur.